Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. All right, Mike McDonald had a very interesting response bump to a question asked of him in an interview with Fox 13. This was in a sit-down with Aaron Levine. We're jumping right into this story because we have so much to cover. He was asked in this interview on whether Drew and Gino are both a part of the Seahawks' future. Yeah, that's a tough question, and it's one that I probably can't answer right now. But, um, you know, we're doing a lot of work on those guys, and I've had conversations just to get to know them and just to understand who they are as people and their background and you know you know goals and what their family's like and where they're from you know i didn't know anything about them you know coming into this whole thing so right now we're in the phase of figuring out who they are and obviously you know one or two or both you know would fit into our plans moving forward but um you know right now we probably don't have that answer for it literally minutes ago bump we have an interesting answer on a similar question from john schneider before i tell you what john said and before i tell listeners what john said what did you make of mike mcdonald's answer there to aaron i think it was real I think that, uh, and that was what a couple of days before Gino yes. got that yeah, what, like twelve point seven or something, right? So I think Mike's looking at the situation and saying, "I don't know enough about Gino. I'm just trying to get my coaching staff together at this point. I'm going to lean on John when he comes to this. I'm not even thinking that far ahead. I, I think that he, I think in that moment he feels like Gino's going to be the guy, but he goes, "What for the next two or three years? I'm not sure right now. There are so many things I would imagine Mike McDonald's is trying to get done." in that facility and like little things too like where's the desk going to be or who do i talk to for this or that logistics is crazy right now so i think that that was an honest answer i think he looks at gino gino's 33 years old um he had his second best year in the league this year um and i know it was a down year from 2022 still his second best year in the league and he goes from what i see i like this guy but as far as two three years from now i'm not sure there's still more i need to figure out I kind of thought the same thing. I thought it was more of like, I have to be careful about what I say because this isn't my decision. I mean, it was one thing for Pete Carroll to say, Gino's our guy because Pete gets to decide along with John whether or not Gino's the guy. McDonald doesn't. Uh, He also didn't know, like you mentioned rightfully, what the financial situation would be because that's also not his decision. John Schneider is speaking with reporters right now at the Combine. It's not being streamed live, but we are going to see if we can get some sound for you guys. It sounds like that'll be posted. And we're also going to have John Boyle on later today, who's at that press conference right now. So we got you guys covered with the rest of it. But this is what John Schneider said today when asked a similar question. Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic quotes, John Schneider says he sees Geno Smith as the Seahawks starting quarterback. Says, quote, he's the starter until he's not. That's maybe the most definitive answer I've heard about Geno Smith from anyone in the new regime or even from John Schneider. Yeah, and this is, all right, so let's put the timeline on it. Mm -hmm. That Mike McDonald quote was from about a week ago, and then now we have Schneider coming out and saying, okay, this is our guy. And I think that um, John Schneider is going to lead the charge when it comes to personnel, and I think he should, right? He's been a GM for 14 years. It's Mike McDonald's first year. I'm not saying Mike's not going not gonna to have input, but when it comes to, all right, what we should do in certain places, especially at quarterback, I think you lean on John Schneider. That's what he does. I would imagine that uh, Mike McDonald is putting his staff together, 
and he has an idea of what type of players that he wants. But when you have a wide receiver coach like Frisman that they have over there that they got from the Steelers, he's going to get input from him. When you have Coach London, uh, the quarterback coach, he's going to get input from him. Where, What side of the ball do you think Mike McDonald's going to shine the most on the defensive of side? Course. When it comes to looking at linebackers, when it comes to evaluating Jordan Brooks, when it comes to looking at Queen, who are going to draft in the um, – who are going to pick up in the draft, I think that's where Mike McDonald stands up at the table and says, all right, now it's my turn to do my thing. I imagine that everybody at that organization has their lane. Mm-hmm. Now, some lanes are wider than others. Uh, and I and you look at John Schneider and Mike McDonald, and they can maneuver through these lanes, put that blinker on, I'm sliding over to the right, I'm sliding over to the left. But as you cross these lanes, you get input from guys who specialize in certain positions. So when I hear John Schneider say, Gino's our guy until he's not our guy makes complete sense to me because he's the quarterback guy. Mike McDonald knows quarterbacks, but what, what do you do? I, I've never played offensive lineman, uh, Stacey. Actually, I did in one game because I wanted to feel what it was like, oh. and, and, and I got pancakes. You know what I mean? I never played offensive line, never played defensive line, never played linebacker. Do I know those positions? I like, Can I coach them? For sure. But when I have questions about technique or what right. you're looking for in a guy, I lean on the guys who have done that job. Who are those guys? Dave Wyman, uh, Ray Roberts, and then I'll, I'll hit up Cliff Airbrook every now and then. I think that um – Going back to the McDonald's sound quickly before we turn to John Schneider. There are some people who are disappointed that uh, Gino will even be here. Then there's some people disappointed that they aren't standing behind Gino as the franchise guy. Most people fall kind of in the middle where they're like, I'm cool with Gino. Right. You know, I wish I had Patrick Mahomes, but 31 teams don't. <laughs> I think that's how yeah. most people view quarterbacking in the NFL. Like outside of you, you've talked about like outside of five, six, seven teams. Most people are like, yeah, I'd like to have the very best guy, ideally on a rookie deal. But am I okay or not with what we have now? And I do think a lot of people are okay with Gino. I know that we always feel like we're responding to people who aren't. I think a lot of people are like, I'm cool. Just win. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what you do. Don't mess up. And, um, of course, Mike McDonald, of course, John Schneider isn't going to come out and look at someone saying is Gino the future and go, are you an idiot? Like, I guarantee you, John Harbaugh, if he was sitting down and someone said, is Justin is uh, Justin Herbert the future for you guys would be like, are you OK? What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. But there are a few teams who can look at someone in the face and go, of course he is. Yeah, that's just not the nature of the league when you don't have a very clear franchise starter. And unfortunately for Gino, and in, in, in some ways it's unfair because it has to do with age. He's 33. Mm hmm. And it has to do with contract. He's a veteran. He's not on a rookie deal where you can just kind of like get him on the cheap. I guarantee you if Gino was a rookie uh, in 2022, a second year player in 2023, everyone would be cool with him because they'd be like, well, what's the ceiling? Right. I guarantee you we would not be having this conversation. It's because Gino's 33. We're wondering if this is the ceiling. And if it is, is it good enough? Well, there's a reason why there is a draft every single year. And every single year, you have about four, five, six, seven quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. Because every single year, there are quarterbacks who are transitioning into being an older guy, not living up to expectations, maybe having a couple bad seasons. Now you're demoted to a backup. That's just a circle of life when it comes to the NFL. There's, you're never going to have 32 teams who found their guys. If you have 32 teams that found their guys, that means that by week 17, you got 32 teams in a hunt for the playoffs. You got 32 teams with 10-plus wins. Uh, something tells me mathematically that's not possible because mm-hmm. somebody got to lose, right? So um, it's... Uh, to find a quarterback, it's a it's an ever uh, lasting journey for a lot of franchises. 
Miami has their quarterback. Detroit has their quarterback. The Cowboys have theirs. The Bills have theirs. The Niners have theirs. Chiefs, Green Bay, Houston, Tampa, Jacksonville, L.A., Baltimore, Seattle. That's it. That's pretty much it, guys, who who are are this is gonna be our guy next year. We're talking Justin Fields might not have a might might not be with the Chicago Bears. He probably isn't gonna be with the Chicago Bears next year. And you see the talent that that dude has, and you're still looking at Justin Fields and saying, Well, shucks, let's get him out of here and try this again. When I feel like the failures that Justin Fields have had over there with the Chicago Bears are mostly because of the talent that mm-hmm. surrounds him and the coaching staff. But there's always my mom used to tell me this all the time. We uh, I watched Love and Basketball growing up, right? You seen that movie, Stacey? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have seen okay. that movie. It's a fantastic I, film. I knew you saw that one. I wouldn't worry <laughs> about you now, okay? And um, you know, um, what's the girl's name in the movie? Uh, Sanat Latham, the character she plays. Anyway, uh, she's a freshman at USC, and she takes somebody's spot, right? Takes a, a senior spot. And my mom used to tell me all the time, "Don't let nobody take your spot. There's always somebody coming for your spot." That is the NFL. There's always somebody coming for your spot unless you are the top 3% in this league where you are up for franchise tags, where you are getting extended three to four years, 100 mil, 70 mil, 80 million dollars. It's a factory. This is the life of the NFL. So, um, yeah, man, only only a few got it right. Everyone else is going to be searching. I can't believe that you even had a doubt in your mind ever (laughs) that I wouldn't have seen. It's not like, have you seen The Wood? And I'm like, don't I'm not going to let anyone down. I know that I have. Love it, basketball. It's Monica. Classic. Her name's it's Monica. Cl- classic. Yeah, classic. 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 Love it. Wonderful movie. Um, now, I know there are some people hoping that Drew Locke is still part of this conversation. Kind of a different situation with Drew. He's obviously not under contract. He's going to become a free agent. Brady Henderson had this to say on the morning show a bit ago. If Pete was Gino's biggest supporter in the building, I think John Schneider has been Drew Locke's biggest supporter in the building. And so I do think that that brings into play the possibility of Moving on from Gino and then, you know, going cheaper with Locke and seeing what you've got in him. And, and look, I don't know if they would necessarily hand Drew Locke the keys. I think if they moved on from Gino um, and Locke was in the mix, I think he'd be in the mix. He'd have to compete for that job. But I could see them viewing that as, hey, you save money, both cash and cap space on Gino. You go with the younger guy who, in their eyes, has a ton of upside. Um, and maybe there wouldn't be that big of a drop-off. And, and again, maybe that upside means that he ends up being a better player. So, look, this quote was from a while ago. Yeah, Gino's salary hadn't become fully guaranteed. There wasn't the restructure. You didn't have this quote from Schneider. You didn't have any of that. All this is is Brady saying, Schneider likes Drew. Like, Drew Locke is not entirely out of the conversation. The Seahawks could very well run back the exact same quarterback situation they had last year. Geno's your starter. Drew is a capable backup. That may be what you're looking at for 2024. That's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think that's all right. I think that's fine. Here's the thing with with Geno. He's had his two best years in the league the last couple years. Last year fell off just a little bit. You and I believe that it's not just him. There's a lot of things going on, right? You give, say you bring back that same quarterback room. You got Geno Smith, you got Drew Locke. Uh, Geno plays out the rest of this contract. You keep Drew Locke, and now Drew Locke becomes the new bridge quarterback because that's how people were viewing Geno, right? He's the bridge quarterback. You got to draft somebody. I can see them drafting somebody, but if they don't, all right, you have a good situation in that quarterback room. You got a guy who's been there, who's done that. You got a new offense. I understand that. But you also have a guy in Drew Locke who's been there, who's done that, that has shown that he can play in this league. Now, say Gino doesn't have the year that you want him to have. You got Drew Locke there. You can still draft a quarterback either this year or next year and have that guy in development. Like, there's no rush 
right now to, to force anything at quarterback. If you have a guy that you trust and that you want to go to battle with, it means a lot. And I think that's the part that people miss. It's easy for people to look at Geno's numbers and compare them to everyone else. Look at the record 9-8 and eight and say, oh, you got to do better. You have to do more. I agree. You want to do better. You want to do more. But you can do better around that quarterback to help him do better. And everything starts to roll, right? And when you are giving somebody the keys to an offense, the keys to a team, you got to trust them. You got to feel like they're going to show up. They're going to prepare. They're going to have the necessary conversations with coaches and players. They're going to represent the organization in front of the podium. Geno does all of that right now. Might not be the top five quarterback in the league that you want, that every team in the NFL wants, but he is good enough to win some ballgames. So, Gino buys you time. Drew Lock buys you time. If you Gino buys you time, Drew Lock buys you even more time. And then if you wanted to uh, bring in a guy and develop him, then things change a little bit. But it's just it's a comfortable situation right now in that quarterback room. I'm glad that you mentioned if you want to bring in a guy and develop him. Because can I say can I say something? I like Drew. He seems like a very likable guy. He was fun to watch. When this quarterback competition was first unfolding in 2022, I wanted to see more from Drew, and I was really disappointed uh, when, because of sickness, he could not start a preseason game. It was like, oh, man, at least he's kind of fun. At least he's kind of exciting. He'll throw a pick, but he'll throw a 60-yard bomb. That's kind of fun. And then, obviously, I completely came around on Geno because – while I thought he would be the starter and called him being the starter, I did not call him being as good as he was. In 20, I, I'm not even going to pretend that I did. I'm with you. Um, I am team draft a quarterback and have Geno as the starter and move on from Drew. And maybe that's mean and it's not personal. I just, a lot of draft experts talking about a weaker 2025 class, which I know nothing about, has made me nervous. And it's made me feel like you need to get someone. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, it, and you got to look at what do you feel this team can do? If you feel like this team is going to go 13 and four, right? 17 games. Is that my math and my math? Yes. Okay. 13 <laughs> and four. You feel like they're going to win 12 games. And then you realize that, all right, well, if we do what I think this team can do, depending on what Schneider and Mike McDonald, how they look at this team, right? And Leslie Frazier, I want to throw him in there too, because I think he's going to mm. play a huge role in this the development of this whole thing. Um, if you feel like that's the type of team that you have, then you realize that you're not going to have the number 16 pick next year. You're going to be around 25, 26 or something like that. You're, you're banking. It's all projection. No one knows. It's not set in stone. I'm not a psychic. They're not psychics. Then that changes the way you look at this draft because then you go, all right, we got enough guys uh, to win some ball games. We're going to make some moves. Uh, let's go get a quarterback right now because we might not be in this position next year. 16 is not a great position, but it's a position where you can probably get one of these top five, yeah, top six can. quarterbacks. You know what I mean? So um, it, it's about how they feel about this team. And this is where John Schneider comes in because he has the most experience. This is where Leslie Frazier comes in. This is where Mike McDonald comes in too because he just uh, helped build one of the, the best defense in the league next year, if not the best defense in the league. Lot of Lots of projection and uh, trying trying to see the future at this point because you're in a transition year. There's a lot of transition going, man. You got a quarterback, a whole new staff, Schneider's role. It's, he's always been in that role, but I feel like his voice is bigger this year. It's just different. So it's about how they view the team and how they view the moves that they're going to make. I have one tiny pushback uh, from the 907. Shout out uh, Alaska, it looks like. He's the starter until he's not, which is what John Schneider had to say this morning, uh, is night and day from Geno's our guy. It's not the same, but I think it's significant. To me, someone who has parsed coach speak and GM speak for years, 
he's the starter is a significant note. It is not a, a vote of confidence in him being the franchise guy for years. Saying he's the starter in 2024 until he's not is it's his job to lose. And that is a major development. I think Gino hears that and feels supported. I do. I think Gino hears Schneider say he's the starter until he's not the starter. He goes, bet. That's all I need. Yeah. Gino knows. He doesn't have seven years of greatness in his league. All he wants is, look, first, let's get by that first uh, deadline and get my 12.7. Then let's get by this next one. Let's get my nine. And boom, if I'm the guy, let's go get it this year because I'm going to prove to everybody that I am the guy. I think that's Gino's mentality. I think John understands that. And I think they're on the same page with that. I don't expect John to sit down and say Gino's our guy for the next three, four, five years. Gino hasn't put together three, four, five years in the league consistently to where you go out there and you feel that way. But he has put together two solid years to give him an opportunity to ball out this third year and then reevaluate when it's all said and done. All right. Right now, let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. <laughs> Headline number one, Sean Payton told the media of the Combine today he expects to make a decision on Russell Wilson's future in the next two weeks. What's the real headline? Normally, it's future concerned with Russell Wilson and not the other way around. We bars. bars, straight up bars. Future does concern himself with Russell Wilson, really though, does. in such a serious way. It's so toxic. He just be watching. Russell, you know what? That's the one thing I'll never, ever, 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 ever criticize Russell Wilson about. I think he can have an ego. I think he, uh, you know, thought he was, you know, I don't know, we all had our complaints about Russell Wilson. Uh, he seems like a really good family dude. Like, genuinely seems like a good partner. He's not the stepfather. Partner. No, He's the, the father, father that stepped, stepped up. up. That's right. I will <laughs> never, ever, 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 as someone who has had a stepfather, as, as someone who just respects that kind of, like, I'm absorbing this family and this is my kid and this is my wife and this is, like, I respect it. I do. That's not what we're talking about right now, but I just want to put that out. PSA. Man, I got kids and uh, I don't plan on leaving my wife. But God forbid something were to happen, I would feel some type of way some other man raising my kids. I understand that. It's a pride thing, right? It's just a pride thing. But what thing. if you were kind but, of a bad deadbeat dad? But that, that's not my situation. Exactly. It would never be my situation. Exactly. Can't relate. But um, I would imagine there's some pride there. So it's, just, it's human nature, man. But right. um, yeah, it's um, what it is. I want to add to this that it's widely expected they will. So I know that Sean Payton, the news here you is, don't. I know the news here is, hey, we're going to make a decision in the next two weeks. Russell's gone. Let's be real. Decision's been made. Yeah. He's gone. $37 million is on the Broncos' books if they do not move on from Russell Wilson, who they clearly don't want as a starter, in the next two weeks. He is out of here. The question is where he's going to play next. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Baltimore GM Eric DaCosta said the team plans on tagging defensive tackle Justin Matabuike if they can't get an extension done before March 5th. What's the real headline? So it's the equivalent of, you can't break up with me. I'm trapping you here on a one-year contract. Tale's old as time. <laughs> Tale is old as time. We've heard that saying. If I heard it once, I've heard it a million times. Trap them. Yeah. Do what you, you can't fire do. me, I quit. It's You can't break up with me. Because you're, you're not leaving, because you'll never leave. You'll never leave. I don't agree to this <laughs> I'm breakup. I'm going to tag you. I don't agree to this. Um, and they should. They should do what they can to to keep Matt Abuke, man. 13 and a half sacks. I mean, I, like I said, there's so many guys on that defense that are available. You got Matt Abuke, you got Clowney, you got Queen, you got uh, Geno Stone over there. You got options, but I think the most important part to that thing, to that defense over there, it starts up front with Matt Abuke. Obviously, Queen is number two, and then you uh, 
you move on from there. Good move by the Baltimore Ravens, man. You got to keep somebody. You can't let him and Queen go ahead and test that free agent. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, fun one at Climate Pledge last night. The Kraken beat the East leading Bruins in a back and forth 4-3 shootout victory. What's the real headline? With all due respect to Mark Wahlberg and our own Maura Dooley, there's no greater feeling than sticking it to a team from Boston. <laughs> ever. There is. Nothing I don't like know it. why. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the team is. Mm-hmm. I know that the Yankees, we hate them. I know they're, the Astros, we hate them. There's something about Boston. It could be a team I've never heard of. Boston's pickable team. I'm going to be like, I hate these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. Crush them. No love for Boston. No. I got a quick story about Boston. Yes. Um, you know, I'm a Laker. This is a Laker house I live in. But I allow my kids to pick their own teams, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my son, at one point, his favorite player was Kyrie Irving. I asked him, who's his favorite team? And he said, the green guys. And I go, that cannot be your favorite team. No way. What are you talking about, Dad? I go, any other team. Sacrilege. Any other team. So then he moved on. And I think he's a, he's a warrior now, like everyone else. But uh, no love in Boston in the Bumpus household. But. They've beaten Boston twice in the last yeah. what, uh, six games, something like that. They're 4-2 and two in the last six. You beat Boston twice. You beat the Canucks who lead the Pacific. You beat the Islanders. That's what's so confusing about this team is that they have the ability to beat these better teams. You got Vince Dung, who's on a uh, three-game goal streak, man. He's, uh, again, the Kraken are so confusing sometimes, man. They play up to their comp. They play down to their comp at times. But um, way to knock out Boston twice. Man, Celtics. That is tough. That's a that's, that's a sports a betrayal. Flaw. That's uh, truly. Do you think that um, speaking of like long held generational sports rivalries, where it's like my kids cannot like this team, is it still the Yankees for the Mariners, or has it become the Astros? It's Astros. Where are we at right now? It has. I, I, I think hate it's the, Astros. I am more annoyed by losing to the Astros than I am to the Yankees. The hate for the Yankees has always right? been there. The yeah. hate for the Astros is new. I mean, I it's still remember hate. Ken Griffey Jr. being like. What did he say? He, if oh, he he'd, rather he'd, he'd rather than retire than play. play for the Yankees. Like, that was that feeling that you had when you were younger. You were like, I hate the Yankees. What have the Yankees done to you lately? That, exactly. And what have they done at all? Exactly. Where's the World Series? You got to go to the top. And the dogs at the top are the Astros. And they cheated. That's what makes it even worse is that they cheated. And they're in the division. So I'm going Astros. I think Yankees and, and, and Boston are right there with them. All right, you guys. Uh, Scott Service spoke with Brock and Salk this morning. The latest from the Mariners. Skipper coming up next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Scott Service spoke with Brock and Salk this morning. We're going back to back Mariners. Um, so we also heard from Mitch Haniger. Can't wait to get to that. That's coming up at ten forty-five. Uh, and we're going to uh, stick with the Mariners at 11. We got a lot of baseball here. Spring training underway. Very exciting. Uh, Speaking of it being an exciting time, that bump is exactly what Scott Service had to say about spring training so far. Obviously, this time of year, everybody's excited uh, getting a group together, and we've got a a few new faces, um, so you're trying to get them integrated into our programs and what we do, and uh, getting them as comfortable as quick as we can. So uh, it's a fun time of year. Um, As I am every year, I'm excited about our team, and and the prospects for where it can go. And we've got very high expectations. So, uh, you know, we'll get George Kirby on the mound today and get his first spring training outing under his belt. Really excited to see George Kirby on the mound today after a great day from Castillo yesterday. I know you were talking about that. Castillo was balling yesterday, man. 
will have reached 96 miles per hour in that four seam. This is just the, the worrisome thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, don't throw it too hard, though. Like, it's still, like, <laughs> ease into that thing. You know what I mean? Ease into it. But um, he looked good as um, – as Curtis pointed out in the in our our pre show meeting that they almost threw what a, a no hitter got that shutty going they got there. a shutty it was collective now the thing that I laughed at I didn't laugh at but I go okay it's early um so many poor at bats for uh, the Mariners man what uh, Rojas had a one pitch at bat two one pitch at bats you got Crawford with a two pitch at bat a one one pitch at bat a pop up and a ground out. Uh, you got Polanco, one pitch at bat uh, Urias a uh, three pitch uh, looking at three pitches a one pitch a pop up. It looked like the guys are trying to find their find their timing right now, right? But um, the one thing that we feel like can uh, can get going early are the arms, man. So it was nice to see Castillo do his thing, and um, I would imagine this is like um, it's like uh, first day of school. You know, you get with your boys, uh, you, you got your fit laid out before school. You get out there, you 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 feel the diamond, and you get back into the groove of things. So um, no, it's exciting to have. Mariners baseball back. All right, let's talk about the most important name at camp, the most important name for the Mariners, Julio Rodriguez. He's been churning, and he's been churning quite a bit, and you can talk about it, but he has to kind of go through it and live it himself. Uh, I know what I was like at 22 years old. Now he's 23 this year. You're learning. You're constantly learning, and I think it's pretty perceptive of you. He is shrinking in a circle, which I think is a good thing. You know, you don't need too many voices. Uh, certainly you want to be respective. Uh, respect all the people that can help you, but you do have to shrink. And I think he's done a good job of that. He has been super focused this offseason. Um, very disappointed in how our season ended uh, and the way it ended last year. Not just him, but our entire team. I mentioned it early in camp. I think this is a very hungry group. And the reason I said it is because, to, to Brock's point, these guys are working. They want to address things that maybe they need to get better on or how we came up short as a team. And Julio's at the top of the list as far as that goes. He wants to be the best player that Julio Rodriguez can be. And I don't think he's there yet. And I think he knows that. One guess as to the line that stood out most from that. Shrinking the circle. Shrinking the circle. Yeah. Necessary. Completely necessary. The first thing you want to do when you make it is help out as many people as you can. At least a lot of guys, right? Help out as many people as you can. Spend time with people. Spend some money on people, invite them to your home, have them have the Major League Baseball experience, right, through you. But then you start to realize that a lot of these people are distractions. Even if they're not, not even bad people, I'm just saying, but they're distractions. They want your time. They want your attention. They want your energy. And to be the best you can be, you got to be focused, man. I mean, me at, at 38 years of age, I talk to you and Rogers and like four of the homies really consistently. Yeah. Like and three of those that, are your kids. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like other than that, I don't because one, I don't have the time, and two, like I, I'm focused. I got work. I got kids. I got a wife. I got a business. Um, so I like to hear it. I know that unfortunately there are some people that felt like they're important to Julio that are going to be phased out a little bit. But if you want the best for Julio, then you're okay with this because the more locked in he is, the more he's working on his craft and uh, the better equipped he is to lead this team. All of us need to learn in life to find the voices that matter. That's something that in my 30s I'm still figuring out. And whether it's professional, uh, whether it's personal, whatever, there's a lot of voices you listen to when you're younger Mm -hmm. just naturally. You know, I mean, think of how you grow up. You grow up looking for direction, looking for instruction, looking for feedback, looking for validation. That's just a natural part of evolving and growing as a person. That's the same thing for professional athletes. It's the same thing about, hey, I have one goal in mind, win a World Series, win a lot of World Series, win forever with this team. 
that voice, you know, that you listen to, the big one you pay attention to needs to also be just as focused on that. And I love this aspect of maturing because I'm interested to know what you want next from Julio, because that's what I want to see from him is Julio, the leader, not just Julio, the MVP. Yeah, exactly. And we've heard that he leads differently. He's not a get in front of the team and, and talk type of dude. He's more of a lead by example. But I think the older he gets, the more games he plays, the longer he's here, the more naturally that voice is going to get louder. That's just, I see that in him. I don't think he is a, a soft-spoken type of guy. Full of charisma. If he stands up, people are going to listen. They're going to pay attention. And I think the older he gets, uh, the more comfortable he'll be. I mean, he's 22 years old, man. There are guys in 19 that are 28, 29, 30 years old. Um, it could be a uncomfortable position to be in to feel like you have to get up and speak and lead that way. It has to happen naturally. And from what I know of Julio's uh, personality, I think it's inevitable. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. It's weird knowing Julio's like just a bit younger than me. You know what I Crazy, mean? Crazy, right? Like, and like here he is in <laughs> such a different place in life. That's wild. Um, we yesterday talked about a very cool feature from Ryan Divish in the Seattle, Seattle Times about Scott Service traveling to see each of kind of these core star players to tell them to sit down with them one-on-one even in instances where they were together like JP and Ty he knew that he could talk to them together because they were both out at driveline but he separately scheduled a lunch with JP and then talked at driveline with Ty so that he could one-on-one face-to-face say here's what's happening this offseason like I know it doesn't feel great I know you have questions we just traded one of your best friends we, we just, you know, got rid of these three guys. It feels like we're offloading at a time when we should be growing. Here's why. Here's what's happening. Here's what I want you to know, and I respect you. And we thought that was so amazing. Here's what Scott Service had to say about it. You know, I think it's it's important that this is something I've done almost every year, you know, and then COVID hit. I didn't do it for a couple of years as far as traveling around. So it was something that was on my radar very early, you know, when the season ended the way it did. Hey, I got to get out and see some guys. And I had joked with Julio, um, I will see you at some point this offseason. I want to see what your workouts are like. And then, you know, as our as our offseason got going, it was, you know, there was a lot of, there was a negative tone to it. And, and I wanted to make sure that uh, our players understood best as I could at that time where we were headed. I didn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how it was going to play out. But, you know, I think it comes a point you got to trust people and believe in people. And you have to be upfront and honest with players. I said to you guys from the first time I think I ever did an interview with you that, you know, I'm, I'm about you know, being honest with the guys and, and being as transparent as I can with our players. And I think we were at a point where we needed to do that, especially with our core guys. And, and they responded very well. Um, and I think it's carried over to this spring. Why does it sound like guys are hooping in a gym behind him? It does. I don't know what it is. It's still, it's, I'm counting it as still baseball sounds, and I still love it. Um, I love that he used to do that. It was interesting, though, to read Luis Castillo in that article mm-hmm. say, that's never happened for me. Yeah, COVID kind of shook things up, and he got away from it a little bit, and I think that he realized that this is something that he needed to do to connect with his team in a way mm-hmm. that you don't connect during spring training or throughout the regular season. You meet them on their level. You go down to the Dominican, you fly to Florida, you drive to Kent, you meet them in their element. And I think that it sometimes, you know, there's a reason why I like when girls go on first dates, right? They uh, they meet them in a public area like, all right, we're going to meet at a Starbucks to where I can control this situation, right? You make them comfortable. That's the same thing that service did. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to where you, you're comfortable at, right? You went fishing with Castillo. We all know Castillo loves to fish. Right, you uh, you drive down to Kent to, to drive line, and you meet with your players in their elements. I think it takes the formality out of the situation. 
If you were to meet in the clubhouse, you were to meet at T-Mobile, you were to meet at spring training, there's a, a barrier that's there. Now you are you are the manager and the player. When you meet in their element, I think you still are manager and player, but you're wearing a T-shirt, he's wearing his, his workout gear, you can drop an F-bomb or two. <laughs> the relationship is just different, so good for service uh, for understanding that. We also heard from a player that everyone is happy to have back in Seattle, that being Mitch Hanniger when he took his first at-bat, not even at-bat, when he stepped up to the plate in his first spring training game, got a loud ovation out in Peoria because he was a fan favorite when he was here. And it's been so interesting to hear what it means to be back in Seattle. If you didn't hear it, it's coming your way next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Is there any donut better than a maple bar? Genuine question. <sighs> I mean, it's name a banger. Me a, it's incredible. It's name a me a donut better than a maple bar and ignore the fact that Mike Lefko has been on air before with us saying a maple bar isn't a donut. P- please make it part of God, one. That's... <laughs> bothersome. There's not one better. It's not as unforgivable as our own Matt Nelson saying that PB&J is better than Philly cheesesteak. Nuts. I stand by it. I don't care what you say. That remains like actually offensive. You're going to go to Philadelphia one day and be like, man, how are your PB&Js here? Why would I ever go to Philadelphia? (laughs) (laughs) There's like steak on a rotisserie or whatever it is. He's like, "Mm, you have any jelly? (laughs) When I get home from work, there's nothing more satisfying than a PB&J and I'm not going to apologize Lefko just texted, it's true. <laughs> We're being attacked from all angles here. It's not left go, but um, but yeah, there. Uh, it's just we got some donuts, uh, you know, for ourselves here, and maple bars just hit the spot. I hope everyone else is having some, some kind of snack. <laughs> just treat yourself this morning. Mitch Hanniger is back. So, what does it mean for the 2024 Mariners? Mitch was also on with Brock and Sock this morning. We have a lot of great sound from spring training from these guys, uh, and he uh, first talked about just being back. Yeah. I'm happy, like I said, it's not, I'm not faking it. I'm happy. I'm really excited to be back here. It's, a cool it's always felt like home for me. And, um, yeah, my wife and I love living in Seattle. Yeah, and what did she say when she found out you guys were going back to she Seattle? She was excited. Is she? We talked, yeah, we talked a lot about how we missed Seattle a lot last season. And, um, yeah, it's, it's good to be back. And it's a little harder because we live an hour and a half from San Fran. So um, she was able to go home if I was on the road and, and take my daughters back home. But now it's – but – we don't need, we don't feel like we want to go home as much because Seattle's it's always been so nice and um, feels like home, so it's cool. I'm going to combine this with just a couple here, Bump. Uh, this is on when he found out a return to Seattle was actually a possibility. The day the Farhan lady <laughs> called me, yeah, I don't know what day it was, January sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had felt like something would happen. We, you know, we had, when I was with the Giants, we had signed. Um, the Korean outfielder and um, it kind of we had a plethora of corner guys so I'm like if they have an opportunity I could see them doing it um, and then like I said earlier like I think if I had a great year and stayed healthy I'd probably have been untouchable but um, you know had a terrible season bunch of injuries and it's good to be back in the Mariners uniform I'm, I'm excited it led me back here so just having faith in, in that, and um, I'm happy to be back here. You know how everyone's always going to be like, yeah, I'm really happy to be here, and sometimes you know that that's just not true. Like, you know yeah. that it's not true. I think it is. No, nah, this is home for Mitch, man. This is home. Um, he never really wanted to leave, and that was one of the moves that happened to where we had left a scratch in our head a little bit, like, man, what's going on? But um, now, unfortunate for him, he had a horrible year in San Francisco, but fortunate for us, that means he is back here. One thing that stood out to me is that I always say San Fran, and everyone lights me up on a text line for saying San Fran. My man just said it, so get off me. 
get off me. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna continue to say San Fran, but then you're not validation, right? I need that validation. But then uh, he comes out and um and the thing about Mitch is just staying healthy. We know who he is when he's healthy. Um, we know what type of leader he is. We know the the production that you could get out of our man when he is healthy. But that's the key. And for an athlete, being healthy is is half luck. You never know what's going to happen, how your body's going to respond. Uh, so it sounds like Mitch is in a great place mentally, and I think that's the start, right? You have to feel good about yourself, your body, where you are, how you're performing so far, and so far so good. Um, we heard a cut um, from Scott Service that I didn't have time to play, so I'll just tell you guys about it before I play this. Um, he was talking about Mitch Hanniger being back here in Seattle, and he said he feels like, because he's been around other iterations of Mitch, right? And he said he feels like this version of Mitch, more so than ever before, is willing to talk about his experience and share his opinion and lead. And I think maybe that comes with age. I don't think it's like Mitch became humble. I don't think Mitch ever had an ego problem. It doesn't seem like from the outside. But there seems to be an openness with Mitch that feels new to Scott Service. Here's Mitch Hanniger talking about how he views leadership. It's great. I think um blessed to be playing this game as long as I have. And I know I still have many good years left in me. And like I said, I think I've, I've obviously been through a lot with with the injuries and the surgeries and the rehabs and I think just trying to share any of my knowledge or what's worked for me with with the younger guys and even with outfield hitting stuff I just try to get across to these young guys that like you can learn so much from the older players or for the guys around you but at the same time like take it in think about it digest it see if it works for you and implement it to your game that's great if you can't if it doesn't work for you know yourself like if at the end of the day you should just know more about yourself by by listening to what works for someone else and then seeing if it works for you either you double down on your original beliefs or you adopt some of theirs and i feel like that's what i've tried to do and um you know and that goes for like stuff in the training room stuff in the gym stuff hitting life everything um just trying to learn from guys around you and it's a give and take relationship so i've enjoyed that you think he's like the de facto leader on this team right now i think so I think he was born in 1990, which makes him 33 years old, which means he's been through some stuff. (laughs) He's been through some stuff. And you you go from, okay, I'm competing with everybody here. No one's taking my spot. I got to make sure I'm on point. I'm not giving too much information out, too. It is what it is. If I just go out and do what I'm supposed to do, and if I can help a young man along the way, then life is bigger than just all about being about yourself. And I think he realizes that for a team to have success, you Mm got to have leaders like Mitch just sprinkling little nuggets. It don't even have to be anything formal. Like, hey, sit down with me. Let me tell you about the time that I blew uh, $15,000 at a casino or something. Mm-hmm. It's just little life nuggets that go a long way that leaders naturally do. And that's what I hear from Mitch, a natural leader leader that is uh, that is going to bless whoever wants to listen with, uh, with the knowledge that he's attained over his 33 years. Uh, always interesting to hear, um, you know, from a player's point of view, what it's like for something that was um, talked about last year a lot. Another thing Scott Service talked about was like a little pet peeve of his. And it was when people look at every single hit that wasn't like a deep, you know, you know, fly out to center field or whatever. And they say that would have been a home run and uh, 25 ballparks. Apparently for Scott Service, it's a huge pet peeve. Right. And I'm sure you as a player and coach can understand this idea. He's like, you're supposed to win in the elements you're in. I don't care if, you know, at Petco or, uh, you know, Wrigley or, you know, uh, into the Crawford boxes, that would have been a home run. That's not where we were playing. That's not what the game was that day. Like, we need to score more runs 
and we need to be a better team. But like that doesn't mean anything when all people have to say is like, here's where you fell short because of things you can't control. It was an interesting conversation. It was one I meant to get to because I thought you'd really like talking about it. But um, Mitch was talking about playing as a player in a pitcher's park. Yeah, because, I mean, versus you go to a – I understand that that, um, argument for a three-game series or a four-game series. But, you know, you crush four or five balls in in a week and you're 0 for 5 with five lineouts. Well, that's or, or five home runs in a week. I mean, you know, you see guys go in these hitters ballparks, and um, you can you can hit four or five homers in a week. That that's not always the case in Seattle. And so I think one, don't have that expectation. Know that it's going to be a challenge, and don't try to slug. Just be a good hitter. What do you think about all this? I'm so stuck on what service said. Let's talk about it. I want to respond to yeah. that. I don't have the cut right now. I can probably find um, it. No, I, I think that service is correct, that you're supposed to win in the environment that you are in. But it's kind of funny to ignore that that's a fact. Now, as the leader of a ball club, he's not supposed to buy into that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been a home run here. No, nah, he's supposed to be like, no, nah, we'll, we'll just go yard wherever we are. But it's real, man. And I guarantee you he looks at the data that says that is real. And they configure this lineup because of that data, because it is real. But Scott, being the leader that he is, he ain't going to sit there and make excuses. He's going to be like, no, we got to win wherever we are playing. And that is the way you're supposed to attack it. But let's not sleep on the data. The data is the data. And it says it is hard to hit in this ballpark. And it is. And it's interesting to hear Mitch say, look, then don't have your expectation be that this guy's going to have 45 bombs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I kind of like the park conversation. Uh, let's see if we can weave that into our conversation with Yahoo Sports Jordan Schusterman. You guys know him as one half of Cespedes Barbecue and the co-host of the baseball Barbie cast. Sticking with the Mariners coming up next.